Oh, yeah, shit. By the way, check out the website, getwokenbake.com. Boom. I should probably put that in the beginning. Too late. Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Bait. And today I am sitting down with the one and only Twistello, a rapper originally from Buffalo, New York, but now he's traveling all over the world doing what rappers do, rapping. And that's kind of what we talk about. We talk about touring. We talk about interacting with your fans, meeting people, shaking hands, kissing babies. Not necessarily kissing babies, but definitely shaking hands and taking the time to say thank you to the people who are taking the time to get out of the house and meet you. So with that being said, I think it's a really cool conversation and we touch on a lot of different things, including transhumanism. We talk about... Well, we get pretty deep. I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's a very cool conversation with a very, very cool man, and I will attach all of his uh, musical links in the description, and I think you should check him out. I think he makes very, very good music that I think you should be listening to, and that's part of the reason that we got together. Now, I do want to do a quick breakdown on UFC 269. It happened this evening, so it's still fresh in my mind. The big news of the evening is likely to be the win of Juliana Pena over Amanda Nunez. I think it's a spectacular win. It was a great second round submission. And I think the way that she did it was stupendous. And based on that particular fight and, and how it ended... I think the rematch would likely go the same way. Now, I'm not looking at current statistics, but at one point, it was roughly three-quarters of all rematches go the exact same way as the original fight. So, if that number is still anything relatively correct, I think that every time that she got in an exchange with Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez came up short. I think Juliana Pena was not afraid to to connect and and keep the fights uh, keep the punches connecting. I think she did what she was supposed to do on the ground. I think that she was her jujitsu uh, defense was great. I say that as a white belt, and my jujitsu sucks. So keep in mind, I basically have no idea what I'm talking about. I've just been doing it for a long time, and I still suck. But. I think that the fact that she was able to get the choke that she was able to get without her hooks being sunken in on Amanda Nunez, I think that that's something that is really, really substantial. Part of the reason that that is substantial is because that means that she didn't have the greatest anchor when she sunk in that choke. Man, it's it's a really great win for her, and I the more I think about it, the more I look at it, the more I am positive the rematch goes exactly the same way. I don't think it matters how hard Amanda Nunez trains. The, the way that she lost means that I don't think that we see her necessarily fight at that weight class again. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it looks like for Amanda Nunez, but I think she can get an immediate rematch. I don't think she takes an immediate rematch. I think what ends up happening is they fight uh, and they coach on the Ultimate Fighter, which is kind of one of the things that they discussed at the press conference. And they discussed some other things at the press conference. 
And I think one of the things that they discussed at the press conference is going to become more controversial than it needs to be. Let me frame it for you. A reporter doing what reporters do, ask Juliana Pena a kind of loaded question in today's climate. And he discusses it in the context of coaching the Ultimate Fighter in a rematch. But he says something to the effect of, more specifically, that this was the first mom-on-mom title fight. And do you think that the UFC didn't do enough of a job promoting it like that? And Juliana Pena said, you know, kind of with all due respect... I gave birth. I am the first mother, the first woman to give birth that is a champion. And that's special to me. Let's not pretend that we live in a world where a woman's body doesn't change after she gives birth. That's really all that means. It doesn't mean a whole lot more than that. It doesn't do anything to invalidate Amanda Nunez's accomplishments as a professional fighter or as a mother. I 100% believe we are going to see a rematch in 2022. I think we'll also see the ultimate fighter hosted by those two. And I think that it's going to be a really good rematch, but I imagine that it's probably going to go the same way. Now, there is another bit of controversy worth addressing in the main event. Now, in the second round of the Dustin Poirier Poirier, uh, fight with Charles Olvera, which, by the way, in the first round, it's it's very easy, a 10-9 round for Dustin Diamond. All right, he's he's doing what he does in the stand-up and what we were expecting him to do. He was landing bombs. He was landing a lot of really, really hard bombs. Now, in the second round, they kind of get into a scramble, at which point uh, Olvera grabs P's glove in a really uh, illegal way to kind of drag him down to the ground. Totally illegal. Fucking totally illegal. All right, but he drags him down to the ground anyway, um, and it really does change the pace of the fight. Right now, the rest of that second round, um, Bolvera is in Poirier's guard, and he's landing elbows, and he's hitting him real hard. He's connecting, and and he's wrapping him up. But he changes the entire pace of the fight with this very substantial holding on to the gloves. So, I, I think that. I don't know. I, I don't know what I think about that. I think it changed the, the way the fight went. I don't think that it changes the third round at all. Right? I think that uh, Charles Olvera was setting everything up for that third round submission. Uh, third round submission, a standing rear naked choke. It doesn't take anything away from that third round performance. But in the second round, Dustin was doing what Dustin does uh, in the stand-up. All right, in the very first round, he was doing what he was supposed to do, and that changes in the second round, but it, it all comes from holding on to the glove. That changes really the pace of everything. Now, Olvera, again, his stand-up was great, 
Like, he's a shoot-a-box guy. His elbows and knees are nothing to be fucked with. They're razors in really tight and short um, spaces. He's a great fighter. But the, the grabbing of the glove did change the pace of the fight. It changed everything about the fight. Uh, I recommend you watch it. Let me know what you think. Get back to me. Let me know in the comments. We'll talk about it. All right, folks. If you are on the Kenai Peninsula and you're looking for a place to watch the fights, by all means, go to the White Moose in Kenai. They're not paying me for this. They didn't ask me to talk about this. I am telling you this from the bottom of my heart. They didn't charge anything extra for the fights. They have pretty good food. And, like, did I mention that they had the fights? They had the fights. They have the, all the, like, the numbered cards. You should go. They have chicken wings. All right, I get to give a very, very solid shout-out to my friends. You, you special person. I love you. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. All right, I will be back on a more regular basis. I've been in school, so I've been focused on my school stuff. I'm taking a break for the winter, and I've got some got more stuff coming. All right, Doug Fry is going to be back on the podcast. That's right. The husband of UFC fighter Jin Hugh Fry is going to be back on the podcast. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. If you have things that you want to talk about, you want to hear him talk about, by all means, get on here. Ask some questions. Drop them in the comments. Let us know. All right, thanks. Have a great evening or day, whatever. Oh, yeah. Now, before I totally dip out of here, listen to the end of the podcast so I can tell you about some fantastic places you should spend your money on the Kenai Peninsula. If you find yourself on the Kenai Peninsula dying to spend some of that hard-earned cash. Now, if you hear a kind of weird purring in the background, that's my cats. Nothing extra creepy. But I got to give a solid shout out to Iron Asylum and Red Run Cannabis Company. If you listen towards the end of the podcast, to the end of the podcast, you will hear all about some really, really awesome stuff that they have and that they do. Good. My alarm went off. I heard it. I rolled over and said, fuck. That's what honestly happened. And then I, I thought I was going to get up this time. Hell nah. That happens. That happens. I, uh, I get up super early, and uh, it's just kind of like I've made it a habit. But, yeah, those first few, like, those first few times doing it, it's really easy to say, fuck that, I'm going back to bed. Fuck um, <laughs> that. Yeah, like, this is this is stupid. It's the morning. They're, like, I should be in bed right now. No, I, I go to bed early, and I wake up early at this point in my life, and it, it but, like... Hey, uh, this is life, man. Things happen. Um, so, so for those that for for people uh, checking in the first time that didn't check out the Instagram live conversation, uh, can you introduce yourself real quick? How you doing? Peace and love, y'all. My name is Twistello, hoodie secretary of defense. I'm from Buffalo, New York. Uh, I'm just a little old MC. You out here carving my way and uh, representing hip hop to the fullest, man. Buffalo, New York, all day. So where are you now? I am currently living in Oregon right now. I have a nice, cool, calm, and collected hideaway spot where I smoke up as much weed as I can. But uh, yes, I'm on the West Coast right now. Like Once I spent my first summer not in New York, I made sure I would never ever, I mean, my first winter, I made sure I won't do that again. Yeah, it changes your mind, man. When you get away from, like, a cold place in the winter, 
Um, yeah. There's there's something about that. Like when you finally experience like, oh, it can be like 70 or even 80 degrees somewhere. And I don't right. have to be in a snowsuit. <laughs> I can just exist. Right. Weird. You'd be like, what was I, where were my parents thinking? Yeah, you end up getting mad at your folks. Like, why did you, you unadventurous mother lovers? Like, why? This is why people don't go to the West Coast and then move back. You've never heard of an East Coast never moving to LA and then moving back. They'll stay on the West Coast. Maybe they won't stay in LA. You know, right? Maybe maybe they'll move to Oregon. Maybe they'll move to you know Washington. But they're not. Yeah. Actually, they're probably not moving to Washington because that shit's cold, too. Uh, but I'm not going to lie, though. Washington, because I'm 10 minutes from there, bro, and they haven't had a lick of snow. I'm not sure about that north-north shit, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. People complain about the rain. I'll take rain for winter any day. Coming from Buffalo. Yeah. So, But I'll tell you, though, when the snow hits in places like Seattle, and Portland, like it'll jack you up. Like if you're in, oh, yeah. like if you're in Vancouver, and then you get ten inches of snow dumped overnight, you're yeah. like, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> right. um, yeah. Sure, man. Um, so, how did you end up on the West Coast? Well, I uh, I was on my first tour. In 2017, and when I'll never forget it actually, I stepped off the bus and people were walking by. They saw like the strange music thing on the shit, and too, but people were walking by. But I, at the first person I asked if they knew where the weed was, he said, Oh, there's a dispensary over there, but here. And he handed me two pre rolled joints. I think that's when I fell in love with Oregon. <laughs> you know I don't know what the fuck. It's legal. I could blow downtown. You yeah. know, 2017, you get caught with weed in New York. It, it's not like it is now. It's weird seeing that transition because New York was one of the largest consumers of cannabis uh, in the United States. And this is and going back to like 98, uh, when, when Dave Chappelle said it best, it's like it's, they say it's the city that never sleeps, but it takes a shitload of weed naps. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Door, so, uh, so it's weird that it it is it, it is legal there now. Um, I mean, it's good that it's legal there now. I hope that that everyone who is who is incarcerated for uh, cannabis related crimes be let go. If if tech bros are making millions and millions off of it then people who are in jail for it shouldn't be anymore. But Tommy Chong yeah. went to jail for bombs, for novelty tobacco water pipes. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, you know, we got to find this common ground between federal and state. I mean, we're going to scream United States and then divide us as much as we can the moment that's said. Like I said, New York's marijuana culture was probably second to like L.A. in the 90s when you spoke about it. Uh, you know, we get a lot of our shit from the borders on the water. A little different style of culture compared to those who grow, but you're right, man. You're right, man. Um, I mean, going back, it's a, it's a weird thing to see that uh, folks were, I mean, still... 
I'm a libertarian, man. I, I feel like uh, making uh, something that a grown up is doing of their own volition a crime seems silly, right? Um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like there's, there's much bigger shit to worry about than whether or not a grown up is making a decision to do something for himself. Um, mm. You know, if you, it, it should be no more regulated than, than, uh, than coffee, in my opinion. I mean, we're talking about uh, products that haven't necessarily been manipulated the same way um, that other products have. It's, it's scary to me that um, the, the people who have manipulated the data uh, in favor of tobacco historically are yeah. also the people that are, are going to be making the laws. So like, um, <coughs> are you familiar with uh, Mitt Romney? Yes. Okay, so Mitt Romney, uh, before he was a senator, before he was a presidential candidate, before he was a governor in Massachusetts, um, he, was, he was a marketing guy. And he worked for a company called Bain and Company. And one of the things that he did was he was in charge of marketing tobacco for um, for like Camel cigarettes in the mm -hmm. early nineties. All right, R.J. Reynolds. And what he did was he dropped the, the price of tobacco or the price of cigarettes substantially in order to attract new customers. What new customers traditionally means is kids and poor people. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is this is your guy. That is, is going to be dictating the laws on uh, on vaporized nicotine juices in favor of the companies that have previously employed him. Um, yeah. But these are going to be the same people who are going to be uh, regulating our our tobacco use. Did you see? Um, and I don't, you know, we can let we can stay away from politics if you want. It's um, yo, anything we want to talk about here. All right, no filter, man. So, so the president of the United States is interacting with the president of Russia, and he doesn't understand that the cameras are rolling, right? A, okay. this dude doesn't realize, you know, like he's, he's being recorded and he doesn't know the tech, he doesn't understand the technology that he's using. And he's ultimately going to be the guy that, that pencils his name in on whatever the laws are that dictate artificial intelligence or uh, whatever dic uh, dictate robotic uses in the future. That's ultimately going to be the guy, right? Um, and he doesn't realize that we're watching him wave to Putin like they're best friends, right? But right. this is a guy that you've been talking, you've been talking tough in front of the media, but you don't realize that people are watching you when you're waving to your bestie. But you're also the guy that's going to be dictating uh, the, the way that information is processed for the next 10 or 20 years. Scares me. Sorry. Right, right, right. I, um, my thing with that, you know, um, I try to be as honest as possible when it comes to things like this. And I feel there hasn't been a president that we've had that genuinely cares for us. Uh, I say that vague and like just categorize them all, but, um, Every single president we have had, including the one we currently have, even though he's not done, uh, it's the same story, different actress or actor. Uh, and myself, I'll be honest, I only was like excited when Obama became president because he was a black man. I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't know where he stood on shit. I didn't know how he felt. I do know when he was done being the president, my father's from Ghana, West Africa. 
So I look back at what he did in the eight years. I saw nothing done for the continent of Africa. And I was shocked because I was, I think he has some ties to Cameroon or something like that. Kenya. 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 Me. Um, uh, by the way, according to his brother and his grandmother, he was born in Kenya. Mm. So. That, that, that's, that's just a whole other. That's a whole other thing. But um, I. Here's what's crazy. So, like, it's it's crazy. It's funny that you mentioned that. But are you familiar with a guy by the name of Francis Ngannou? Um, no. UFC heavyweight champion. He is from Cameroon. Now, okay. since becoming UFC heavyweight champion, he's been uh, he's he's built a, a mixed martial arts school uh, in Cameroon. He's brought in a high level black belt to teach kids jujitsu. Um, hmm. He has. And I'm not saying Francis Ngannou for president, but he is a step in the right direction. That, that, but listen, you're so accurate. Uh, the soccer players from there, like David Drogba, I believe he's from the Ivory Coast, neighboring country of Ghana. He, these guys build hospitals, roads, and they're going off of their salary. Akon, let's look at Akon. He's literally... This man is showing all of the uh, Christian foundations and American, all of these uh, charities. What the fuck are you doing with your money for the past 20 years? This guy has had the opportunity for maybe three to five and has made strides. He's damn near built a city out there in Senegal. That's what I mean. Like these presidents with these crazy trillion dollar budgets, ETC. You can't figure it out, or they don't want to figure it out. And it makes me sad and not interested to figure out why, you know? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and imagine, uh, and I like to imagine the best case scenario, right? Because I know that um, if I, if he may, may or may still not, but if I'm not mistaken, Akon at one point did own a diamond mine. Good. Yeah, you, I'm not I'm, sure yet. I'm going to him. Well, you know, like he's he's from Senegal. Like I'm sure he knows somebody that knows somebody that may or may not be loading a. <laughs> Who know where the hot spot is? Yeah, and they're like, listen, Akon, you're a you're a local man that did great. Everybody's singing your songs all over the world. Um, yeah. Dude, there was a there was a, a remix for Locked Up specifically for Germany. Wow. Okay, so like he adapted to markets around the world. Okay, wow. like you thought he was like, oh, locked up is cool over here, and then he did the pro he did the production, not just the hook for Soul Survivor. All right, the man was doing production. He wasn't oh. just singing hooks. So you're, you, I'm a dad now, and I got a bunch of kids. You're darn tootin', um. You know, like he was making his money around the world. He was getting international publishing checks. And so somebody was like, hey, Akon, I know a guy who's offloading a diamond mine. And I'm going to imagine that as far as diamond mining land barons go, Akon probably probably did a lot better than a lot of the shitheads. He was probably oh, yeah. like, I don't imagine like the creepy, scary blood diamond shit was happening on his watch. Um, right, right. And that man is, like you said, he's building a city in Senegal. He's, he's, I think when you get rid of the bureaucracies, right? You're we're talking now like almost about governments and charities, right? When you start 
building a, uh, a charity or a foundation and it starts employing lots of people, right? Those lots of people who have now spent five or six years in this charity uh, getting an income, well, they also, they're going to want a pension, right? They've been putting a lot of years into this and darn it, they've raised a lot of money for a lot of people. They deserve a pension. And you know what? You're right. They've been here for, for, for a long time since, since they weren't getting paid and they should get a pension. And mm -hmm. eventually these things kind of become bureaucracies and then they have bylaws. And then, and that's when you end up with like, and I don't want to say the charity's name because I could be wrong, but you give them, uh, you know, a dollar and 90 cents of that goes to administration. Uh, maybe 10 cents, if you're lucky, goes to the actual charity. And so, yeah, you're talking about Christian charities, you're talking about all kinds of charities where there's a, there's no oversight and there's no money going to uh, and resources going to people that need it. And I think uh, it sounds like, uh, like, uh, Akon was able to get around a lot, a lot of that. Um, oh, but if you're yeah. in a place that doesn't have a lot of infrastructure, um, then you can you can still do that. The problem that I see is like when people that come from these massive infrastructures go to places where things are kind of played fast and loose. It's the wild west. Um, you get to make things up as you go along. That's what I love about Alaska is you just kind of get to. to make things up as you go along now is it true y'all get paid to live out there yes it's it's not a lot and it's expensive as fuck okay um what do you pay for a gallon of milk man probably like 269 if i'm lucky at most maybe three bucks okay you're you're pushing five bucks here we're, we're getting really? i think i think we'll we'll be there before spring but it's really it's not hard to come across like like a good like a gallon of organic milk like like yeah. whole foods quality i'll run you about seven bucks um like oat milk's like seven eight bucks uh, everything's more everything's more expensive because remember it's either got to get here by water or it's got to get here through canada right and so if you're on a train or you're on a truck you still got to pay for that gas you still got to get it up there you got to pay any any shipping taxes, all of the stuff that it takes to get there. However, one of the cool things that we have here is like, I can go fishing for a day and feed my family for a week. And it's, and it's salmon or it's halibut. Like it's, it's, it's the good shit. It's the stuff that you're paying $20 a pound for. Uh, I, I've got a, I've got a fucking freezer full. Um, so, so I'm gonna tell you one of my Bigfoot stories. Cause, uh, I'm, I didn't. I didn't get into Bigfoot like because I wanted to get into Bigfoot. I, I used to be a radio host, and I started a thing called Conspiracy Friday. And one day, someone called up and said, "Hey, have you heard about the Port Chatham Hairy Man?" It's like I have no idea what this thing is, and so I googled it and I did some look. And there's not. There wasn't a lot of research on it. Right? There wasn't a whole lot of stuff on it. And uh, so finally, this past summer, like we made it out to Port Chatham. Now, a little bit about this town that is two and a half hours by really nice boat on calm seas to get to right yeah like it's, this is the middle of nowhere now twice this town was abandoned because apparently something in the woods was killing people that's the story i'm not going to ruin the ending for you hold on, hold on where is this located again out port chatham alaska 
I'll send you some links to the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I got some out there. The videos from out there. And so we went out there, and, and I'll, I'll tell you just like anything, right? If you go into anything, any, you know, like reasonably dangerous situation, right? From a place of love and from a place of fun and from a place of like goodness, you're going to have a good time, right? Because you're going out there optimistic. If you're going, you're also, if you're going out there like expecting the worst case scenario, right? Like, hoping for the worst case scenario. Right. The worst case scenario was the best case scenario, right? The worst case scenario is we see this thing, I, while I'm with my friends, uh, there's lots of cameras, and this thing mauls the dog shit out of me. Uh, because if you're the guy that dies from Bigfoot on video, that footage is worth a mint, right? My kid's taken care of forever, life is <laughs> nah, Yeah, you're right, though. That's me sacrifice, but you definitely are that guy in history. Yeah. So we went out there and that was our best case scenario, right? We went on some hikes. We, you know, we got in the water. There was a sauna. It was fucking beautiful. We saw otters. Mm. Now I like to think that Bigfoot is, uh, Bigfoot's probably got a lady, you know, there's, cause if there's a dude, there's gotta be a lady, right? That's how yeah, that yeah. works. Um, and so, uh, we'd have like, there was always like a pair of otters that were like swimming around the boat when we were on the boat. And one of the things that I learned learning about Bigfoot is that Bigfoot can kind of transmutate, right? Bigfoot can become those, like, two otters, him and his chick. And now they're watching us, right? They can get close to us. They can, like, all right, these dudes are cool. They're just hanging out on the boat, getting fucked up, staring at the Coast Guard. Because the Coast Guard were out there, and then there was, like, like a really nice boat. I imagine it was uh, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, went off the back of the boat to piss. Right. And all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, like this bright light flashes on me while I'm trying to piss. And so I can only imagine that that was Brad Pitt staring. At <laughs> Thanks. Brad Pitt saw my dick, y'all. Um, so uh, but we went out there. We saw like there were the two otters and then them. Like, I didn't have my fishing license at the time, so I couldn't put a put a pole in the water. But but my friends caught two halibut, right? And so I, I like to think there's no Bigfoot out there and my friends killed them. And I have, ha I have Bigfoot halibut in my freezer. I got, I got dead Bigfoot meat. Right, right. And I'm proud right, of it. Right. I'm proud of my dead Bigfoot meat. <laughs> um, so how did you get in? Let's, let's go back to your music. Enough about Bigfoot. Uh, but yeah, they pay you and it's, it's expensive to live here. All right. Come for a vacation. Don't live. I hear, uh, I hear you. Unless you hunt or fish. Um, how did you get started in, in writing and rapping? Um, I got started like, uh, I wrote my first rap in the third grade. I'm not going to lie and got caught. Let me just tell that real quick. Third grade wrote my first rap. You know, when you had those desks that had the openings <clears throat> when you stuffed all your books in it. Yeah, I had all, it was like the day we had to clean it or some shit. And, uh, I remember I don't even know how, but Mr. Boger, my third grade teacher, found a rap I had, and that dude called my mom. And the next day, my mom was, like, coming in school with me. I didn't even know why she was coming in school. Like, she usually came in when I got in trouble and shit. But anyways, he hand I saw him hand her that. And then when I came home, that shit was on the kitchen table. <clears throat> and, uh... Kind of got in trouble for that. I had some profane lyrics. But, you know, I got in trouble, whooped and all of that. That didn't really change me. Uh, 
up until high school, I'd have like 20% schoolwork and then 80% rhymes. It just stayed. I just tried to perfect my craft. I didn't make any money off hip hop until 2017. I want to say, well, I was making money locally. Like if I had a uh, CD release party, I'd throw a show, have 100% of the door, hood shit like that. But when I went on tour and started selling merchandise, that was 2017. And uh, I want to say it started there, you know, different outlets came out. I was fucking with MySpace in the beginning, like on that shit, and they elevated, and I would say I digitally elevated as well. Um, Starting in, uh, well, you started talking about MySpace. Can you talk about a a little bit about how how the the transition has happened and how the resources have changed uh, as far as uh, you had, you know, like five tracks that you could post up on your MySpace music page. Right. Versus, versus now you've got Bandcamp and you can sell your music and, and uh, DistroKid where you can release your music. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Um, correct. Uh, yeah, it used to be five tracks on MySpace. Then when it went to nine, you thought that was like the greatest thing. And now here we are. Um, the transition is... Uh, I would say it's inexcusable. Uh, Every day I wake up, I know I should be further along because of what's what's there for me. Uh, And that's the challenge I try to mentally prepare, you know, like with my grind. Uh, The Internet's there. You can you can upload things digitally HD. Um, You can make a video on your phone, things like that. There's no excuses. Uh, I, I heard 50 say, what's the hold up for an independent artist nowadays? And he's correct. Um, if I had all the answers, obviously I would uh, be further along. But um, my, my version of getting in the game, although the digital has helped out a lot, I'm really big on the face-to-face campaign. Like uh, I'd like to shake people's hands at all my shows. I literally will walk up to everybody, you know what I mean, at some point in time. And to me, I think that, uh, you know, if I can get 500 plays or meet 50 people or 80 people, I'm probably going to take the 80 people because uh, <clears throat> relationships have kind of gotten me to where I am today in this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think um... – a big part of it is that those 80 people are going to buy T-shirts because they want to support their friend. Um, if I'm thinking about like T-shirts and, and hoodies that I've sold, most of them have been to people who are who are my friends uh, first, right? Like that's that's always who gets it. And then people ask questions. The other thing is like your merch has to be cool. Like you got to have the cool shirt. You got to have people that shit that people are going to want to wear. Um, who who do you point at as far as like the the independent hustle goes um because you can release whatever you want whenever you want it's all on you is there anyone that you look at and say you know this person uh is doing it right maybe that's something i could be doing or or anything like that yeah i mean it's definitely a a bunch of guys uh i look at uh i mean I know it's cliche because I'm from Buffalo, but I mean, I look at the Benny the Butchers, 
and I look at he just recently inked the deal, but those guys didn't have to at all. You know, um, you know, I kind of knew that they were this great back in like 2014, 15, you know, uh, I was kind of like a Dame Dash back then, not really rhyming because I got in some trouble, came back home and I was like resetting my life. But I was uh, getting, I, you know, I got my boy a feature from West Side Gun and Conway for prices. It would never happen in the fucking, it won't happen right now. You know what I mean? That's back in the day. You know what I'm saying? But it was still a, a price. You feel me? Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I knew it then. You know, I was like, oh, we're, we're, we got to do this right now. But um. I say that to say this, they had a, uh, their merch game was second to none. Maybe like, you know, it's like strange, except it, it's, it was also overseas. Like these guys had murals in Rome before Shady signed them. So that was all, I mean, I, I got to point to them because it, I saw it every day, you know, growing up. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, Derringer? Like, have, have, do you, have, um, is he a Buffalo guy? Derringer is a Buffalo kid, official, yeah. Derringer, okay. shout out Derringer. He's done a lot of, he's the classic, he's the sound of Griselda, you know what I mean? If you want to, in my opinion, on some fan shit, he is the backbone of them. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, Oh, he's like DJ Shea as well. These guys were like legends in the town beforehand. Like if you had a Derringer beat back in the day, oh, you you were a serious MC who took it serious. You know what I mean? And uh, I've uh, I've only had like a few interactions with him, but I remember I had on a Fly Guy hat downtown, and it was I think this was Conway's. It's getting spooky. And Prodigy from Mob Deep was there, Static Selector. Oh, it was a crazy night. But uh, I was uh, sitting on like a fire stoop and he saw the hat. And then uh, I said something. I think he said uh, good looks on wearing a hat. Of course, like something about the hat I had. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, man. Like, killed it. But uh, Derringer is like. It's crazy. I see him in Alchemist co-producing him in uh, Beat Butcher doing shit. You know, I, I can just, it, I'm proud of them boys. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some people confuse it with dick riding, but no, nah, I'm just proud of them. You know what I'm saying? That's all that is. Derringer, um, I think that when he, uh, the first time I heard him, um, like I was like, oh, whoa, whoa this, is, this is different, right? Because it was, uh, they were higher tempos. The tempos are really, really high, but the drum pattern themselves is is super slow. Like the BPM will be up at around one forty one, but the the beat is down in the seventies. Um, right. And and yeah, so your your you know regular eight bar has now become sixteen bar, um, but it doesn't matter because they're just going to stop rapping when they stop rapping. Like that's, and, and it's when they say, when it's for the art, like it's fuck it. It doesn't matter. Fuck a hook. Right. Like it's right. two and a half minutes of just like straight rapping. Um, and boom, 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 boom. 
Right, right. And, and look, like that's our style. Like I, I heard someone question, like uh, Wes said it best. Like New York changed their style. Buffalo never did. Buffalo never changed. What you hear, hear from them, you hear from me. You hear from the guys from Rochester, 38 Special, things like that. Like we, that's how you had to rap at the lunch table. That's how you had to rap outside the shows if you thought you was nice. And then from there, you get opportunities to open up the cats when they come in. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's levels to this shit for real where I'm from, you know? And, uh, yeah, I'm just blessed to be in a position I'm at, you know what I mean? To be, like, in West Bubble fuck and seeing people, like, fuck with our slang and beats and all of that. It is it is weird to hear people um so many producers mimic uh the sound that that, that Derringer really kind of pushed. Uh, right. and, I, and I think that um I think that a lot of people made uh really fucked up and made the alchemist com- uh comparisons, but I do think that the presence of Derringer definitely put a a, a different battery in the back of the alchemist. Uh, oh, of course. All of them. All of the produ- uh DJ Muggs Derringer put I'm sure he put the battery in his bag. You know what I mean? He not like he like needed it or whatever. But I'm just yeah. saying like those cats when they're around him, I know they gotta be inspired. You know what I mean? Because um, it's fresh hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Just to have that ear though, like just you know, because he heard he heard something that a lot of people didn't hear, and then he was able to um sort of uh I don't want to say exploit it. Right, but he he yeah. heard something that other people didn't hear, and then he he just made it louder. He amplified it. Right, um, very similar to not to compare the two, but very similar to to Apollo Brown. Right, Apollo Brown just doing something that other people aren't necessarily doing, but similar enough that they end up making comparisons, which is a shame. Um, yeah, I, I, comparisons not necessarily a bad thing. I think you and I might have spoken about Future Wave recently. Um, and, and are, um, did we discuss future wave on the live? Oh, uh, if we did, I don't even remember. That might be the first time I heard that name to be real with you. Okay. So future wave is a producer out of Toronto, uh, works with, uh, Daniel Sun and Brown bag money. He got a, also okay, got, a, okay, okay. uh, he got a lot of references or a lot of comparisons to, to alchemist. I always thought, you know, um, it was more LP-ish in the way that the the electronic noises came out rather than like um, <clears throat> something super, I don't know, like a like a chopped up, slowed down piano. Okay, okay. Yeah, I um I uh yeah, I, I fucks with Danielson. I um you know, I was doing shit with uh Falcon Crest and Falcon Outlaw and them boys. That's how I got put on to that that T dot sound and all of that. But um, you know, last composer, my man, he from Toronto. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm a fan of uh everybody doing anything right now. I just, you know, my guys. I feel like this year, well, we already the new year hasn't started. It really starts in April. In case you ain't know, <laughs> springtime is uh when things come back to life. Everything that's the real new year. But anyways. I have a, I really want to put my team on the map right now. You know what I mean? I got a lot of talent. I think I got to take that leap and just roll the dice and 
and showcase them the best as I can this year. Can we talk a little bit about your team and who you have surrounding you? I appreciate that. We got Abraham Lil's son out of Nice, France, by way of Congo. We got Isla coming out of Cali, Colombia. We got Last Composer coming out of Toronto. We got Twistello holding down Buffalo, New York. Y'all know what it is, man. Um, and, um, yeah. So, one of the and I and I can speak from this, uh, speak on this a little bit coming from uh, from Germany. There's a different sound when uh, when European producers make a beat, and um, and I don't want to like generalize them at all because uh, I think that it, it's absolutely based on the individual, and a big part of it is like what kind of music they were surrounded by when they were kids. Right, 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 and sure. so. If, so if you've got a dude from from Nice, France, who's originally from uh, uh, from the Congo, he's going to have some really really interesting sounds that influenced him, and, and you're and that's what makes it really special. Because one of the things he mentioned was like that's how a lot of people, or that's how everyone rapped in Buffalo. That's how you had to rap if if you wanted to get on. Well, yeah. now you're talking about like what does it take to get on in France? Uh, and, and, and in France, I mean, you're talking about going back to like the mid eighties, um, with guys like, uh, in the nineties with MC Solar, who was, I don't want to say he was like the, the French MC hammer, but he was very kind of like classically French in his linguistics. Uh, and he was someone that I don't want to say he's probably more the French Macklemore, right? Like, uh, he, uh, he was spoke very clear, very concise French. And it was more like jazz than it was hip hop. Okay, okay. Um, and I, uh, yeah. So you have him, and then you then it transitions to like now it's like drill shit. Like it's 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 drill. It's this. It's all over the place. And there's there's a new generation, and there's an older generation of everything everywhere, right? right. So on one hand, you have like the the French drill guys. But on the other hand, you have those those dudes that are like, if you have guys like the Alchemist who are really crate digging, like in the states and overseas, think about the sounds that have already been plucked by the guys that live there. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, like um, you know, that's what the master of crate digging is. Like um, I do think about that. I think about, and, and honestly, that's kind of the x factor what you just said which is kind of what we do because we do tap in with uh if we find out there's something called korean funk i'm mad i even just said something like that but like they tap in yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and uh, they embrace it on their own so there's korean hip-hop so um so you remember the uh um the gangnam style guy correct correct so correct. So he was like he comes from uh, from the Yangon crew, right? Those like the, the YG fam, like those dudes are like hip hop, hip hop, like yeah, yeah. Um, everywhere you go, like there there was Korean jazz, Japanese jazz. There has to be Korean funk. And yeah. if you are and if you are a, if you are a a rap producer in Korea in the nineties, and goddamn it, doggone it, everybody, that person exists. And that person was making beats. 
And the records that they had were probably gonna were probably like Korean pop records at the time. And they're gonna yeah. sound way different uh, than what than what you're listening to. Right. I think it's right. A, and every every country has their DJ premiere. Yo, there you go, man. Every country I, has their <laughs> you, you can't we gotta mute that out, man, because yo, that's that's really what's happening with my team and that's how we even form you know uh it was out of and shout out to the internet we respected each other's we there'd be no black hoodie music if there if we didn't have uh me and Lil Sun met on uh what is it everyone got now soundcloud Shout out to SoundCloud. This is posted from SoundCloud. That, that might be the title of this. Shout out to SoundCloud. Shout out to SoundCloud. That's the title because of this episode. Shout out to SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, me and him, we met through that. And he did uh, Tony and Cam and Destiny. Tony and Cam is a classic record off my first rec album. It's me talking about... You just have to listen to it. I should have sent you that, but... Uh, after that, we was like, yo, like, what did we just do here? Like, the relationship formed. And uh, the only people to actually physically meet so far are me and the last composer. We met up in Toronto and shit back when I was able to go out there. <laughs> so the Internet is a wonderful thing. Uh, that's why I'm, what I'm saying. Like, we talked about from the MySpace to the uh, growth we have today with Bandcamp. You know, relationships were formed there. And now, you know, even myself, we have uh, some tracks up there for sale. And it, it is, everything's at your fingertips. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of used to want a deal. You know what I mean? I used to be like, oh, I want a record deal. That's what the thing is. Now, for what, though? For what? If I can sell, if I can sell 10,000. Let's just say 10,000 CDs, right? If I can sell 10,000 CDs at $10, what is that? A hundred thousand, right? A lot of people would be like, yo, it's a good year. You made a hundred thousand this year. Minus some expenses and everything, you got like 70,000. Because that's, let's just be real. That's one item, you know? Uh, wristbands. It, that's how I look at it. So there is no excuse. You know what I mean? You get you. You do have to have some talent to make people want to buy your product. But if you break down, you know, if I want to sell, I got Tello papers coming out real soon. Yeah, your your yeah. merchandise and your marketing is really limited. Uh, really only limited by you. I was checking out um. Uh, a post from uh, the Squatch Me Now podcast. Shout out to them. Um, and they were talking about like ways to support your favorite podcaster, but it but it applies to artists as well. Like, so I was interviewing uh, Spit Gems last year, and he was okay. saying the best way to support an artist is to buy their merchandise. Um, and and really, it, it's a hundred percent true. Or you know, purchasing albums from them directly. Uh, over over Bandcamp or over Instagram and exchanging the money through Cash App or send you some Bitcoin or some shit like that. Um, 
there, there, there are very easy ways to support artists that, that you get behind. And the thing that people seem to forget is that your mainstream artists and your, um, and your, your cats that are on the major labels, uh, because that, that's really for a long time, that's all there was up until the internet really, uh, got rid of the stranglehold that the, the record companies had. Um, these artists now they're in the 360 deals and um and giving up now you're giving up your um your merchandise you're giving up this you're giving up your touring which was as an artist how you made a, a lot of your money uh back in the day you would ha and and still like if you're an independent artist you can deal with a promoter specifically if you're doing it through the record company well now the record company is charging you to put uh you to put you out on the road the record company is charging you and you the artists are paying for your hotel room um you are uh, record companies are not uh they're not made of good people that are necessarily wanting to do right by the artist but we also live at a time where you can be your own record label. right right um, right sure so i um i met chris calico when he came up here and and I mean, his wife was his tour manager, right? Like the people that, uh, the people that give a fuck about you, if, um, you know, if you're taking care of them, they will take care of you. Right. Um, right. and if, um, and, and if the people that care about, you know, like your friends will support you. And if the music is worth supporting, I think Rick Rubin said it best. Like if you, if you want to share, um, what it is that you're making, then what you're making is good. And, and if what you're making has value, then people will pay for that. They will pay for it in the in the currency that is time, or they will pay for it with merchandise. Um, so, so buy a shirt, buy a wristband. Um, but if you're an artist, make sure you get that shit made because it's ten bucks to run a website, and if you update it once a week with merchandise or a song or just a blog saying, "Hey, how you doing?" it keeps your people engaged. Um, right. and that's, but that's every artist. And, and even myself as a podcaster, I had to take a lot of time off, um, when I was in school because the, the only time I had, uh, you know, my only downtime, uh, my downtime was limited to school, right? Like, and I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't podcast because I had, I had shit to write. I had shit to do. Um, so I had to stay active other ways, but if you're, the real the internet makes it excuse makes everything excuse free, like fucking you can have a Patreon. I, I saw Vinny Paz has a Patreon. Wow, that's crazy! Shout out Vinny Paz. He got a crazy joint over little something. <laughs> um, yeah, so like it's it's so like there there are new streams. Like there's always a new stream opening up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you don't have to sell feed pics. This is fact. This is fact. Let me clear that up. You don't have to just sell feet pics. <laughs> you know, and yeah, like uh, <clears throat> touring and, and show, you know, I, I, I heard too many MCs and other people in the game say the best way to make money in here is uh, through shows and merch. So it was kind of like, you don't got to tell me twice. Once I kind of figured out a formula that works for me, that's kind of, you know, what I'm using. And, you know, a lot of people got plays. Like, the, the, let's talk about this Spotify rap. Like, a lot of dudes, everyone's posting, oh, this is my yearly Spotify. But it's like, yo, it, it, 
a lot of these things are playlists. Uh, to be real with you, um, like accidental finds that like through searches, and I'm I'm just saying this is the standard for everyone. Uh, because for instance, if iTunes released a yearly wrap up of an artist, it would solely be people who look or download through iTunes. And there's a shit ton. iTunes is the best payout, by the way. I kind of push people to go to iTunes for me personally, because I mean, shit, I would definitely take that payout and shit's on Spotify. You know what I mean? You'll be waiting with your thumb up, yo, ass, pause, to be doing for a nice check from Spotify. Um, But the thing is, they push that as the standard. Everyone's posting that. That's not an accident. It's a mental thing to make artists think, yo, spot, yo, you got played in 72 countries, man, I got to get played in 93, like uh, such and such. If you get played in 93 countries next year and you look at what you've accomplished this year being played in 72 countries, maybe, the, I mean, if you're content and cool with that, I don't know. But I paid no mind to that at all because I put it in a line. People worry about the yearly rap or they Spotify, but they don't see a fraction of the dollar sign. It's that simple. You know what I mean? Uh, shout out iTunes. Shout out uh, TikTok right now. Shout out uh, even Deezer, which is a cricket. If you got a cricket phone and you download Deezer and you listen to my album or download the whole album, I get paid more than Spotify. So, uh, but it's the perception. They do a good job of making artists focus on Spotify. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, it's all, it's all marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, um, and I'm, I have no evidence, but I am positive there is some sort of something being exchanged with getting on specific playlists, being played on specific shows on these platforms. Um, I am sure there's an exchange of something in one way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, whether it's in, whether, I'm not saying it's anything is like, as clearly unethical as someone exchanging money for plays on an iTunes playlist, but I'm not saying it hasn't happened either. Correct. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a lot of things. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, I don't know. Spotify, they're a little, that's not the standard to me digitally. Although it's become, if you have to have a Spotify kind of to say like oh i got a soundcloud or you know what i mean like back when that was the standard it's kind of like spotify is that now i'm not on spotify okay you ain't missing out on nothing man no i yeah it, it's weird because you see it as um like competition is is uh is the enemy right like if i view if you and i are kind of doing the same thing right but I view you as my direct competition. Um, then I'm constantly looking at what it is that you're doing rather than focusing on what it is that I'm not. And how do I make my shit better? Mm -hmm. Rather than 
then it then it becomes uh, I'm, I, I'll end up mimicking what it is that you are doing, what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and then your goals kind of become my goals, and it's it's it sucks. You don't want to you don't want to be that. Right, right. No, that's facts. That's facts. Um. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm I'm all for the physical. There's nothing like that physical shit. Like you know. Even if you say you, you can put a commercial out there and have it played 500 times. Yeah. Or you could walk up to 80 people and try to and tell them the pitch. You know what I mean? You got a higher percentage of reaching half of that, which would be 40 as compared to like 250. Like people's attention spans nowadays aren't that. But to talk to them, show them. In the physical shows, I mean, my sh- my show is what separates me from like ninety two percent of MCs out right now. But, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking like if you are seeing a fraction of a fraction of if you're seeing a one one thousandth of a penny or whatever it is that you're seeing from Spotify, right? Who present right. these numbers that? may or may not be inflated, probably don't include people who paid for bots. Um, none of the, none of the crazy like extra shit. Um, it seems, uh, fuck, I forgot where I was going with that. doesn't matter. Well, well, I mean, the, literally the only way you can make money off of what you just said is you have to be a Drake. And he is literally the only one who makes money off of streaming. Him, yeah. Beyonce, Rihanna, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift. And you know what's funny? To the people who have Spotify who don't collect their, uh, or distro kit, uh, who don't collect their little pennies, that all goes into a black hole and sits for a couple years. And if it's not claimed, it goes up to the people I just named. True fact, people can research what I just said. So they bought it? Well, well, I mean, every artist needs to do their best to claim their little pennies because at the end of the day, that's what keeps, you know, if everyone's striving to get great Spotify numbers, right, which equals shit money, and people know that over time, but their mentality is to just get the better numbers and they don't care about the money, who's that benefit? You know what I mean? The people who are collecting that bottom of the barrel money who get their cut and shoot it up to the J to all the top artists. You know what I mean? Who do the commercials and who do the shit for Spotify to make Spotify that shit. You know what I mean? Like this game is crazy. I'm hip to it. I appreciate you sharing that, my friend. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a jewel. I mean, it started with five songs on MySpace. (laughs) And they said, yo, Yo, and no, Justin Timberlake, I believe, bought some shares or owns half some shit of MySpace. Smartest fucking thing he could have did because they're going to somehow, some way, resurge. Don't know how, don't know what it would be for. Like shit like that smart. Okay, so um, I hope so. Because when you start talking about the metaverse, right, and um, the fake universe, that's where 
you start getting into scary territory, like the, the, the technocracy and the concept of, of living forever. So like, so like guys like Epstein and, and Gates, they are technocrats, right? The idea is to live forever in a computer simulation. The idea now is, you know, like, how do you get there? How do you get it to, in, if you're Bill Gates, how do you get as much technology wrapped up between now and when, when God takes you home um, so that you get to live off in that metaverse and continue to make decisions and, and exist, right? How do you get there? So um, when you're talking about the push to having us live in this fake world where we live in these smaller and smaller, more confined boxes where the idea that you don't own property, none of that none of that is real, and you 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 go into your place when you're awake, and then you go into your box to go into the fake world. Right now, the fake world is where you have all your fun. It's where you can be whoever it is that you want to be. If you want to be a unicorn, fuck it, you can be a centaur. All right, mm -hmm. do the thing that makes you happy, so that you aren't the thing that you are in the real world. All right, so like in the early days of the internet, when like grown men would say that they were like 18 year old girls um that's going to exist but those people are going to exist in a whole other capacity they get to be that uh that girl like right. and what i when i'm what i mean by that is like dudes would be in chat rooms saying that i'm an 18 year old girl um you know and you had your you had an imagination to work off of right like this is going, you're going to get in your, your ready player one suit and you're going to live off in space and your world is going to be whatever you want it to be. Now, the property around Snoop's imaginary mansion sold for 1.4 real, uh, 1.4 million real dollars. Right. So like, so they're selling real estate in a fake world is what I'm getting at. Oh, oh, you hit it on the nail, which uh, shout out to people like Brother Ben X, um, digital real estate. I'm doing my real research in that right now. For instance, I'm looking at my screen. It says set up professional. Uh, you, it's digital real estate. You buy the name set up professional. Dot com or something like that. I'm not sure on all the details, but this is the basics. And for instance, you own that. That's digital real estate. There's some <clears throat> people need. I forgot, but digital real estate is that. Like, uh, you know, if I didn't have blackhoodymusic.com, which is just under construction right now, uh, I'd have to buy that eventually. Yeah. Whoever got it, I got to do it, you know, so. It's it's interesting, but it is it's also the next time. Like, so you can go to your fake Hollywood Boulevard, and you can go to, now. You can drive by fake some uh, Snoop's fake imaginary uh, like imaginary house in the imaginary world, and just wave to him. Like, right. how do you deal with trespassers in the imaginary world, Dave? I'm not even hip to that. That's crazy. Like, like really think about that. Like, how do you? Because because you can fucking Fortnite it, right? You can have all the machine guns in the world. Uh, in your in the imaginary world, and decide you're or you're just gonna juggernaut it through the wall. Uh, yeah, like how do you keep burglars out burglars out in the imaginary world? Yeah, I mean you know you're 
Fake real? I don't know how that works in fake real estate. What what, what do the burglars want in an imaginary world? Well, if the property, if the imaginary property is valuable, then I would imagine that like the the there's going to be trinkets for sale. There's going to be like a three thousand fake dollar fake vase for your fake house, right? People are going to um to to buy shit to occupy that fake space, right? Are you going to have to hire a fake construction company to build your fake house? How the fuck does this work? Wait, what the fuck does Snoop have going on? Like, what is this? He's, apparently he's got like real estate in the imaginary world and the real estate around it has been purchased. So people want to live next door to Snoop in the imaginary world. So if if this is Snoop's house in the imaginary world, right? How do you keep people out of that? Because it's still a house. Like even if it's an imaginary house in an imaginary world, I'm I'm in that imaginary world and I'm walking down your imaginary street. No, I'm on other I bet they got it like uh fenced off, you know. <laughs> They got the imaginary beam shield fence. No, he's gonna, he's gonna. You know what? There's gonna be hackers for this imaginary world that are gonna be able to give me a, a an imaginary juggernaut suit. Oh yeah, yeah. Nah, they definitely thinking about that right now too, right? Like, how do we secure this? Like, and it's it's weird because it's not a real place. However, it would it would give hypothetically, it would give your group the opportunity to record a song in the studio together. If you can't physically be together in a studio, you can be in a studio in the imaginary world. And imagine being able to be there in real time. And now you get to produce physical copies of your imaginary record. That is something. I mean, yeah, it opens the door for people investing in to shit like that. I wouldn't even get caught in that because it's like shit. They need to be like what you need in the real life like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like so I mean to live next door to Snoop would be cool. But uh, you know, fuck all of that. I love I mean, it. What, when if what if it's fucking boring? Like what if you live next to Snoop and it's not cool at all? Like anything that you imagine about like like Snoop being turns out like if you think he's great to party with, the parties are going to drive you nuts. Eventually, you're going to want to go to sleep. Um, or, or he's he, maybe he's a bastard about his lawn. <laughs> maybe he's a bastard about your lawn. Maybe it's like you need to get a quiet lawnmower. And so, like maybe it'd be better to be next to him in the imaginary world where he can block out the sound of your your super duper loud lawnmower. I don't know how this would work. It, it's weird. It's it's a. I don't know if it's weird, but it's it's what we're coming to. Like, there's going to be, there are going to be high rises in the imaginary world. Like, people are going to build apartments in the imaginary world so that they can live on top of people in the imaginary world when they're in the real world living on top of people. Nobody is gonna like. Nobody's gonna plug into the fake world to unplug from society. Like. If you're unplugging from the world so that you can sit next to a river, you've got it backwards. 
exactly. got it back. Cause I mean, you busted a lot of people's dreams right there, though. You know, shout out to people like, uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The internet got endless possibilities, man. Absolutely. Somebody, somebody told me that shit got uh, time travel possibilities and shit. You know, you never know. I mean, the, the thing is, you, you start talking about the simulation, and, and then, yeah, you get to start having those conversations, like um, multiverses, simulated realities. Um, I had a guy explain to me once that um, because what we're getting in our brain is electrical impulses, uh, electrical pulses from our eyes, and, uh, and it's how the world is represented in our brain doesn't necessarily make it so. It just means that that's the way that our brain is processing. And he said, Correct. because of that, we're living in a simulation. And I thought, I can't really argue that. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's very true. I mean, uh, people's um, knowledge is only what they know. If you look at it like that, like I only know what I know. You understand? Uh, if, if, uh, shout out to Karis One. I have to give this. This is actually where I heard this example where it comes into what you said. If me and you went walked into a room and you're a painter and I'm an electrician and we just stood in an empty room in a house, not furnished, what you're going to be looking at the paint. I'm going to be like, hmm, they wired a fucking, they put two to three, you know what I mean? And if we bring a fucking, uh, carpet person in the first thing they're going to do is look at the floor or look at the hardwood or measure it up or know what it instantly know what the room is you know and it's perception so that if you take that analogy and put it with life damn what you your life is what you know what you see on tv is what you watch that's not what your neighbor's life is like you know what I mean? That yeah. Which would be oh that that could be the uh, difference in upbringing or clashing or they think your lawnmower is too loud. You think yours is quiet because you watch fucking loud shit all the time. And then maybe we really are living like that. You know what I'm saying? I stop and pause as much as I can to just give calm down. You know and just relax and give praise and thanks that I'm just here, you know, because if that is the case, you know what I'm saying? I got, that's my peace of mind. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm going to say this, man. Shout out to my moms, man. She said, you know, and we even look at crazy people, right? Or someone talking to themselves, walking, uh, you know, scratching their head. My mom said, they're crazy, but they're on the sidewalk. If they were crazy, they'd be doing that shit in the middle of the street, zigzagging, literally. You know what I mean? There is drug influence, yes, but and mental, which they call schizophrenia, yes. But before those things were involved to uh, introduced to us, and before uh schizophrenic and bipolar and things like that were words to us those were translated as other things no matter where you were it was seen as oh maybe they might have a, a bad spirit in them or if a child was born 
handicapped. It was, you know, some, it depends on the culture. But as we've advanced and our minds have, we've put category, we categorize things. But, yo, to be real with you, man, you know, I, you know, like even with this music, I love doing it because I feel like, yo, what's beautiful about it is when I'm not here, that shit stays in the atmosphere. It literally does. Your, your, my words are, let me tell you something real quick. If an alien landed here right now, right, a bunch of them, in the hood, for real, let's say this happens. First thing I would do, I would play something like, I don't know, I would play a, a Wu Tang, something. I would play a great hip hop song because you know what? They say music is a universal language. Why the fuck do you really think they say that? You I, know? I think it was Chuck Berry, uh, a Chuck Berry record that went out on the Voyager. Like, uh -huh. so, so when aliens finally break into the, the Voyager spacecraft, uh, they're going to come across music from Chuck Berry. <laughs> I hope they get like Bob Marley. I don't, I don't know if he went out on the Voyager. Um, <laughs> no, I feel you though. Oh, man. But, th but think about that though. Like uh, an alien would instantly, it may not know the language. It may be, it may sound like uh, us listening to um, a New Zealand or something. It may be a language we don't know, right? I wouldn't play Bring the Ruckus, and I wouldn't play Protect. <laughs> no, think about that for a second. If you are in, if you are talking to an alien, right, and this is, and they're like, play us your music. Oh, Bob Marley. Bob okay. Marley. All right. Good. 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 Because your your first statement was the Wu Tang Clan, and I thought about that. I, I was really deep in thought. I was like, man, maybe I wouldn't. Fuck it. Pick I could, I'm not playing that. I could find one though. I could like you could probably play like Impossible. You could find, you could, you can, I mean, you can dig, like, um, forgetting the track, but it was the one with, with Isaac Hayes, uh, uh, Ghostface, yeah, yeah. yeah, I cried, I cried, yeah, cried the first yeah, time I heard it, I haven't yeah. listened to it since, because I cried the first time, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, no, I would play like something like that, but. But they will recognize the rhythm, is my point. They would recognize the from the Rastafari, you know what I mean? That that noise is to keep evil away, which is why that is in every reggae song. That rhythm. It is designed to keep bad spirits away. Okay? So, I mean, if that did happen and you know what I'm saying? I would be the, you know, I would handle it kind of well, I think. I would make sure it should be good. But I like your thinking. I like your think. Thank you so much. You put yeah. that It's a really good answer. Yeah, you know. a really good answer. I didn't know, know that. I had no idea. Should listen to reggae. When you stressed out and have anxiety, put on Burning Spear and see if you don't feel better after an hour or something of listening to them. That is natural remedy closing your eyes and listening to bob marley's music like i i can't even tell you how therapeutic it is especially with some fire ass weed
It's always important. It's always important. It's like, I don't want to say it's always important because then there's going to be somebody like, well, you know, not always listening to music when you're stoned. Uh, but there's something about really like being able to enjoy music, to be able to throw on some headphones and just, and really get the ultimate relaxation. In. Oh yeah. You know, I stretch mean, out a little bit. Um, Sorry, the power of Bob Marley real quick. I just want to say, listen, he, uh, that's probably why they had to off him because I saw Ziggy Marley perform and for one, it looked like Bob was on stage. But when I looked around at that concert, it was thousands of people. I literally saw every walk of life within uh, glancing around me. Every walk of life. I was around elderly, young people, my age, all races, uh, you know. And walking out, I saw every single person there. I can only imagine the power his father had doing that in the 60s and 70s. All right, folks, on that note, we're going to call it a wrap. I want to give a solid shout out to your friends and my friends at 5150 Vapes located in downtown Soldatna. If you are looking for lots of flavors of vape juices, they've got them all. If you can think of one, pretty much everything but peanut butter. Go in there, talk to them. They've got all kinds of stuff. All right, by the way, uh, nicotine is addictive, all right? Vape juice has nicotine. That's kind of the appeal of it. So if you have an addiction to nicotine and you're trying to quit smoking, there you go. That is one way to do it, all right? Again, nicotine is addictive. All right, moving on, Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive in Soldatna. You can find them on Instagram as well as Facebook. They carry... Uh, supplements, they've got treadmills, kettlebells, squat racks, dumbbells, barbells, and much, much more. Also, if you're looking for comfortable clothes, they've got their super cool, super popular Iron Asylum hoodies and I Love Hot Moms hoodies. Those are also available. So if you've got a hot mom and you want to represent for her, there you go. Uh, there are supporters and fans of Hot Moms. Shout out to Juliana Pena. All right. Um, so give Brandon a call at 907-953-4720 for more information. That number again, 907-953-4720. Moving on, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the makers of fine concentrates, as well as the always popular Hash Aid, and now the Hash Aid Shooters, as well as the 100 milligram Hash Aids. Now, I have tried them all, and I've got to say I'm a fan. I like the the 50-milligram shooters. I like the 100-milligram bottles. I think they're both awesome. And if you are a uh, cannabis edible enthusiast, I'd recommend you get your super-duper sweet-ass hands on them. I'm also going to assume that you are 21 or over. So um, there you go. I like the Hashade, and if you're a grown-up, get your hands on the Hashade. And if you are looking for the Nike Town of Red Run products, and by the way, with way better ethics than Nike, the Red Run Cannabis physical store located, again, on the Kenai Spur Highway, their products 
are available all over the fine, fine state of Alaska. If you have a dispensary in your town, there is a very good chance that they carry Hashade or one of the very many Hashade products in one of its very many flavors. Um, by the way, Hashade, uh, not Hashade, Red Run makes way more than Hashade. They have a whole lot of stuff. Now, their owner is off on one of his cool adventures. We're going to have him on the podcast when he gets back to talk about this current adventure, and we're going to learn some stuff. All right, so more on that later. Ladies and gents, here's your cannabis warning. Oh, yeah, shit. By the way, check out the website, getwokenbake.com. Boom. You should probably put that in the beginning. Too late. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A, marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B, marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C, there are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D, for use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E, marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Red Run Cannabis Company, license 3A10056. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, license 4A10052. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, license 5A19372. 5455 Kenai Spur Highway, 12156 Kenai Spur Highway, Kenai, Alaska, 99611.